Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Prisoners kept their eyes down, not daring to look at their guards or the ring of emaciated civilians who had emerged from the ruins in such astonishing numbers. All around, odd shots broke the silence of the former battlefield. Those in bunkers sounded muffled. Nobody knew whether each report signified the end of a soldier found hiding, of one who had offered resistance in some way, or of a severely wounded soldier receiving the coup de grace. These defeated remnants of the Sixth Army, without weapons or helmets, wearing woollen caps pulled down or even just rags wrapped around their heads against the hard frost, shivering in their inadequate greatcoats, fastened with signal cable as a belt, were herded into long columns of march. A group of survivors from the 297th Infantry Division was confronted by a Russian officer who pointed at the ruins around and yelled at them, that's how Berlin is going to look. Mm. 80 years ago. Yep. Uh, that was what was going on. That was what was going on. The end of the Battle of Stalingrad, the surrender, the capture, the capitulation of Sixth Army, the German Sixth Army, the first major, no no equivocation, defeat of German forces in in the Second World War, though, you know, Battle of Britain, whatever. Um, Battle of Britain, Alamein, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Alamein, yeah, yeah, exactly. But but certainly on the Eastern Front, a, 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 a proper... Major punctuation. You can be pushed back to another river. That's one thing. You yeah. can be completely destroy- destroyed and, in, you know, surrounded and entirely destroyed and completely yeah. hoodwinked. Yeah. And the point about about the surrender at Stalingrad is is what that tells you is the scales have absolutely turned. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the, the Red Army now has overwhelming numbers for which the Germans have no answer. The bottom line is is they've been hoodwinked. Yeah. They've been they they they've been fooled, and an entire German army has been completely destroyed. I mean that is an incredibly small bit compared to the huge encirclements of Soviet um, troops and armies and entire fronts um, earlier on in the Soviet in the in the war in um, Soviet Union. But wow. it is of massive significance, and the scene of this encirclement. The town of Stalingrad is, by 
this moment at the very, very beginning of February 1943, an absolute shell. It, it, it's an apocalyptic zombie town where of, of constant fire and mayhem and rubble and carnage and death. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk <laughs> with uh, me, Al Murray. We want to James cheer Holland. you up today. <laughs> the Second World War podcast. Um, yes, we're here to we're here to um, give give you the good news. Uh, Germany has been defeated in Stalingrad, but before we before before we come to that climactic moment that we opened with, there we've got a where, little bit more to go. What is the city of Stalingrad? How have they ended up fighting there? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, first of all, the city itself. Yes. The Volga River, which are which after all runs pretty much. Um, up and down um, the, the the Soviet Union, it's an yep. ancient trading river that connects. It's huge, to the, huge, vast river that connects to the Black Sea. That you know, Vikings would get down to um, uh, Constantinople. Yep. The Rus from, from the north, the Rus, all that sort of stuff. It's essentially. It, it, I mean, really, in a way, you can see perhaps it's the River what, Rhine of the of Russia, yeah. isn't it? Well, that's that's exactly that's exactly where I was going. You can see why. In a, a, a German imagination that is so tangled up with the Rhine, would would, would see the Volga as so significant that that you know the Germans, long defined by their river border, are thinking about this as a kind of a final frontier into the into the Soviet into the Soviet Union proper into the and into the sort of riches of the Soviet Union. They've got the black soil of the black earth of of, of Ukraine. If they've got this far, they want to get their hands on the black gold of the Caucasus now. Exactly right. That is exactly right. But first of all, they've got to get Stalingrad, and then they can properly pivot south. Yeah. Um, but let, let's let's just talk yeah. about the. I think we should talk about the the, the city itself, and then we'll go back to Case Blue because we left it on the eve of Case Blue, which was the kind of the big the big offensive into the Caucasus, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll then go back to what what was happening at the start of that campaign and how they end up getting kind of sidelined by by Stalingrad. But Stalingrad itself has only been called Stalingrad since 1925. Yeah, um, it, it's it's a much older town called Zaritsyn, and Zaritsyn has absolutely nothing to do with the czars whatsoever. Even though it's spelt the first four letters are spelt exactly the same way, um, it's it's actually um, it's a bastardization of the Tatar word Sarisu, which yeah. basically means yellow river. And the Volga here is um, is very yellow, and that's because it's very clay and it's very wide, and it has yeah. these sort of s- comparatively soft. Um, particularly on the western side, it's got these sort of soft um, bluffs uh, known yeah. as the ravines, which sort of come down. They're, they're quite a decent size. I mean, they're not quite sort of um, Omaha Beach level bluffs, yeah. but but they're decent um, yeah. running down to the river. And the river here at its narrowest is is about a kilometre. Yeah. And Tsaritsyn, as it was, was very, very strong out. And since it's become Stalingrad and... Um, industrialized massively in the ni- early late 1920s, early 1930s. It's strung out all across along the river. Now, for yeah. obvious reasons, you want your town along the river rather than bulging bulging westwards yeah. because there's the water, there's the supplies, there's the kind of power, all the rest of it. So, what you've got is you've got this sort of old brick town in 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 the centre, uh, and then you've got industrial complexes to the south. The grain mill, for example, mm-hmm. the second, the number two um, railway station. And then much to the north, you've got this series of industrial complexes. Yeah. Um, you've got the Lazur chemical plant. You've got the Krasny Oktyaba, um, yeah. the Red October Works. Yeah. Um, you've got the Barakadi gun factory, the Barricade gun yeah. factory. And you've got the Zerinsky tractor factory. 
yeah. um, all of which will go on to play an enormous part in yeah. in the battle itself. The tractor factory was established in 1930, but but yeah. by the start of the war it's it's building tank chassis i just want to momentarily correct myself there it doesn't run to the um, black sea it runs to the caspian sea, that's it but, yes but, caspian but sea. it's that part of the, the you know the, the, again uh, this is this is a vast part of the world that um you need to get your you, you have to get your head around but basically but but what your the point there jim though is that it's a is it's a soviet city it's a product of the of the of the soviet Revo- revolution the fact yes. it's been stamped with stalin's name is because um, he defended it, didn't he? From the from yes, white, white yes, Russians. against the white guards, against white Russians yeah. um, in the in, in the in incredibly brutal civil war yeah. that took yeah. place between 1917. So it's it's under not only does it have his imprimatur on it, it's also got it's been stamped with the revolution. It's been industrialized. It's been turned into one of these these modern Soviet cities that that where the proletariat are being. Put, put to work in factories, essentially. So, and also so, in vast numbers of brick terrace houses, yeah, you know, yeah, not yeah, dissimilar yeah. to the sort of things you'd find in, you know, British cities. In Manchester or something, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it, or Murphy Tidville. Exactly. So it's, so it's very much, it's very, I mean, because I think you can't get too hung up on the symbolism of the name and everything. The city is a Soviet, I mean, it's an old settlement, but it's a Soviet city, isn't it? And it's a product yep. of the revolution. So in the in the end, when it, when it comes to the fighting there, in a strange way, that's been shaped by the revolution itself. That had the had the you know the, the Bolshevik revolution never occurred, you wouldn't be fighting through gun factories and tractor factories and chemical plants, would you? You'd have you'd have you'd have come to the small town that was there before and hopped to hopped. And you'd have treated it like Veronia or any of these other places and just gone whatever. Yeah, exactly. But 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 the obstacle that the city forms. It's a sort of curious irony that the thing, the thing that the Germans are seeking to destroy, which is the Soviet, which is the Soviet Union, the obstacle that that catches them out here, the fact that they're fighting in a Soviet city, is it, you know the irony is it's a product of the thing they're trying to destroy. So there's a the, and it's and it's named after the man they're trying to overthrow. So there's yes, and named after him of, because because of because of the heroic stand when he led the, yeah. led these you know the resistance against the white Russians. Back in the Civil War. So, so if you you're know. into symbolism in the way that perhaps totalitarian states are, right, because they, they do like a bit of it, yep. you, could, you couldn't... They do, it has to be said. You couldn't have ended up anywhere more potentially symbolic, could you? It's literally a perfect storm or it's one of those kind of you couldn't make it up scenarios. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, either which way you want to approach it. <laughs> exactly. It, it, uh, it's, it's just all coming to a head at this point. And, and it is amazing. I, I do think, think you know, it, it, if you are a Hollywood scriptwriter, yeah. the fact that you've got these two ideologically totally opposite worldviews coming together at the climactic battle yeah. That is going to decide the future of the war in the East yeah. at a at a city called Stalingrad mm. on the mm. banks of the historic River Volga. It's got it all. And, and bit, of course well, it's, a, it's a bit on the nose. <laughs> a bit on the nose, yeah. And that's why, of course, it becomes this battle. And, and this yeah. is why Hitler won't back down. It's like I'm not backing down, I'm not backing down, and Stalin won't back down. No one's gonna back down. So yeah. then it's a kind of sort of a question of who can can who can hold out. Um, and you know it is interesting because it's because it's so strong out. I mean, it, I mean, by 1942 the population is 525,000. I mean, that's yeah. a big city by 1940 standards. There's not yeah. many cities in the world of over half a million. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Not really. Yeah. Not certainly not that many in the Soviet Union. There's yeah. there's a number, but not that many. Yeah. Um, 
and at no point is it more than two and a half miles wide. But it does stretch in total, including all the industrial towns and the suburbs of, yeah. you know, and all the rest of it, of Rhinoc in the north, for example. It's about 30 miles you're talking about here. Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a big, straggling city all along the yeah. – and it's on the western banks of the yeah. Volga. It's not Which on the eastern means- banks. There's almost nothing on the eastern side. It is the western yeah. bank. Which means that the that the river, this bend in the river, this this point of the river is peculiarly defendable in a way that other 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 river bends in the vastness of the Soviet Union have not been. Hmm. And obviously, the, obviously that means there's a crossing there. Inevitably, the city is the obstacle. And and if if fighting in Stalingrad is synonymous with one thing, it's with city fighting, isn't it? Street fighting. I, I remember the the Second Gulf War. You know, the, the, I'm reading reports with the, the fear that Saddam will turn Baghdad into another Stalingrad, and it's the byword for for urban fighting, isn't it? Basically. Totally. And, and well, again, yes, the, as you know, I'm doing Italy at the moment, and Altona is known as the the Stalingrad of the there Adriatic. There we are. There we are. Right, so the casino is is the Stalingrad of of the Italian campaign. Yeah. So Operation Operation Blue. Yeah. Um, so 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 finally gets underway on the twenty eighth of June. You know, late, frankly. You know, yeah. as we said said in um, yesterday, it is the um, it is a week later than Barbarossa a year before, and they're launching it with less, and they're expecting to go a further distance. So you know, trying to do more with less, and also and also and less time. Uh, and and a change and a, and a changing, I mean Hitler Hitler cranking down on his authority and uh, in trying to yep. increase his authority, micromanaging more, interfering more, intervening yep. more, um, but you know buoyed with the apparent success of the previous summer, yep. which uh, and after all Hitler's re- talent for retrospect sort of re- basically it was all his idea by the by the time yep. of things done and dusted and it looks like it's a success it was all his idea it was all his genius is how is how he operates so the the wiggle the wiggle room anyone may have had is 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 very small diminishing yeah but and this is a big but the germans still present a formidable enemy if you're the soviet union that they are uh, and also their commanders are better than they were because they've got more experience you know people have fallen by the wayside people have come to come to the fore you know there's there's some incredibly brilliant commanders both at both at army group army yeah. corps division level um and regimental level so yeah. you know that they're, they're, they're no pushover by any stretch of imagination it is really literally the scale of their ambition that is yeah. the problem yeah yeah and they've had a lot of practice going forward against the russians haven't they that's the they have. that, that, that's the thing a lot of, a lot of success as such, so but but the, but there is also but, absolutely <laughs> clear that the, the the there's also problems. So the the relationship between um, the Luftwaffe and we'll, we'll come on to this a bit more and when we actually get into the, the main fighting of Stalingrad. But but the relationship between the Luftwaffe and the army is it has 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 stood still. You yeah. know, such a, a a crucial joined at the hip relationship in the Blitzkrieg years, you know, yeah. nineteen forty, but hasn't moved on the western allies for example have, have sort of absolutely clearly take overtaken it in yeah. terms of cooperation there's no headquarters cooperation or anything like that yeah. there's no sort of clear chain about who makes decisions about what and when yeah. um it's all very murky and yeah. and it's just not as working as effectively as it once did yeah, yeah. so that is an issue and so they're not making the most of one of their key assets which is air power yeah. And of course, air power, particularly in the summer months in the Soviet Union, should be decisively effective 
because you've got these big open spaces. You can see lots. Visibility is great. There's not a lot of cloud. And, and you know, you're not sort of wiggling around towns. You're not wiggling around mountains or anything like that. You know, it's, it's the same effect, really, as it was for the Desert Air Force operating in, in the Western Desert in North Africa in the summer of 1942. And they're just not making the most of it in the same way that the Luftwaffe didn't make the most of it with the um, Panzer Army but in the, North and, Africa. And, and this is because the, the Luftwaffe is, has been essentially a fire brigade rushing around dealing with all of all of Germany's strategic commitments that, that, that again, were the Germans only fighting on the Eastern Front, they'd be able to concentrate all of their effort. But instead, they've got they've got to go to North Africa. They've got to provide aircraft in the desert that they're still there are still issues with although fighter command sort of rhubarbs and whatever over the French coast are a kind of a waste of time they're still tying up the Luftwaffe and and uh, again the problems of success is people are accreting power to themselves Goering is Goering's Goering regards the Luftwaffe as his fiefdom rather than yep. an integrated part of a third right exactly that war machine um, yep. and so so you know the strain of the again it's the strain of the over you know the over German overcommitments are the product of what appears to be success to yes them. that's absolutely right so so you know and if you're a red army division and you're sort of being pounded by a kind of a gaggle of stukas you, you wouldn't think there's much wrong with the luftwaffe you just think yeah. this is horrific but actually yeah. there are they're just, they're just not operating at their potential yeah, yeah. um because they're too disjointed and because they have the you know this sort of ludicrous system of the expert and on the fighter planes for example where you know the absolute priority is to kind of you know, bump up these 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 super shots and all the rest of it. It's just yeah. not. It, they're not operating very efficiently. Yeah. There is also another absolute catastrophe for the Germans, which happens just before uh, um, uh, nine days before on the nineteenth of June. So Major Joachim Reichel, who is the chief of staff of the twenty third Panzer Division, he's in a plane um, with secret orders for Operation Blue One. Um, not the whole Operation Blue, but just Blue One. Yeah. Um, when the plane is shot down. And the secret papers all fall into Soviet hands. You know, Hitler is absolutely furious. Uh, um, the, the divisional commanders sacked, um, yeah. plus the commander of 40 Corps, uh, um, all part of Sixth Army, incidentally. They're all fired summarily. Yeah. yeah. The amazing thing is, is that very same day, the 19th of June, these papers are handed personally to Stalin. And he just goes, ah, oh, it's a ruse from the Germans. Ah, for God's sake. I mean, and that's because he's an autocrat and because he's you know massively paranoid yeah. about absolutely everything so he he mistrusts everything but, but but i mean you know the previous year where you've been through that entire thing already haven't you where he's yeah. told he's told barbaros is coming and he's told from multiple sources that barbaros is coming yeah well you know good luck telling uncle joe that well exa- pointed exactly pointed that out to him well exactly so so but chief you know, can i just remind so- you that you completely cocked up last year yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this shows, and we talked about this yesterday, that uh, that the Soviets have this. There's an opportunity. This 1942 is the opportunity that's presented to both sides, and if they can just sort out how they work, the chances are they can defeat the other side. And at the start of the year, that the scales are with the Germans, and by the end of the year, they're with, with they're with the Soviets, which implies basically. That one side has figured out, has done the learning. The other side has learned nothing. We were talking, weren't we, about about the leadership styles of Stalin yeah. and, and Hitler both interfering? And you can see them; they're they're on a sort of a level in the spring yeah. of nineteen forty two of interference. But but yeah. but, uh, and this is the last great bit of interfering that Stalin yeah. does: yeah. negative interfering. Yeah, 
detrimental interfering. Thereafter, he kind of suddenly goes, mm, okay, I, I need to, you know, well, I still need to re- re- maintain my iron rod well, authority, suppose, but... but I suppose Blau won then playing out exactly in the style that the pl- the f- captured plans demonstrated would... Um, it would, would but, but of course, to start off with, what happens when it, Blau, yeah, Blau goes, exactly. is Blau won, Blue won, is the first the first bit is the, is the drive to Veronia. Yeah. And, and that looks like it's heading northeastwards towards Moscow. So Simon yeah. goes, told you so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just what, I, just what I knew is a ruse. You know, this whole idea that they're going to swing south. Yeah, 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 Veronia, whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, but as they do, they go up, so the, so, so the Germans drive initially up to Veronia. This is all part of sort of clearing that, you know, so, so it's get Veronia, secure that flank, get yeah. to the River Don, then swing down, deal with Stalingrad, then move into the Caucasus. Yeah, and it is expected that that you know, so blue four is the going into the Con- uh, Caucasus, and is, and Stalingrad is blue three, and it's expected all this will happen in very very quick order. You know, matter of a couple of weeks, and then you're kind of straight and you know Stalingrad's neutralized, job done, boom boom, move on south. Yeah, but of course it doesn't quite happen like that. But what is interesting is to start off with, you know, the the, the Germans sort of crush all before them, yeah. um, localised Red Army counterattacks that, that, that are sent towards Veronia just simply don't work. Yeah. Um, and in early July, you know, the, the first German troops do reach the River Don. But but interestingly, there is no encirclement this time. Yeah. Because this is the point yeah. where after Veronia is captured on the 6th of July, the Red Army falls back yeah. rather than allowing itself to be encircled. And this is the first authorised strategic retreat authorised by, <laughs> by Stalin and Stavka. I mean, Stalin is Stavka, effectively. Yeah. yeah. And the southwestern and southwestern fronts, which is, you know, fronts are army groups, just remind everyone, mm. they're ordered back a further kind of 60 miles. And this is, a, this is a really, really significant moment in the war on the eastern front. Yeah. Because as you were saying just a moment ago, this shows you that they're kind of starting to, to learn that Stalin is starting to learn he's starting to accept yeah. the advice of his senior marshals yeah and yeah. as Which, you say isn't it interesting that it happens after he's rejected yeah the Reichel paper i mean it's 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 it, it certainly is a you don't I mean, have that, to admit it publicly no 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 but 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 you've but just got to internally learn those lessons yeah. <laughs> never admit you're yeah. wrong i mean i'm not i'm not going to tell him he was wrong and and, he, N- and he's me long neither. dead i mean i'm not getting involved um, no but, <laughs> But, yeah, but this is, but but this this, however, but I mean, what's very interesting though is Hitler misinterprets this, doesn't he? Is he thinks, well, we're on a we're on a roll here, we're winning now. exactly that because because after all, his assumption it pro- is that Stalin's mindset is like his that we don't withdraw, no. that, that that not a step back and all that sort of stuff. And of course, Stalin comes to issue that order, um, but but only once it's um the right moment to do so 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 hitler misinterprets this strategic this this retreat and sees yep. it as a sign of a more succeeding you know the, the, uh, so much winning yep and that then and then diverts from his plan and this is the yep. this is the interesting thing is that he's interfering properly now he's 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 in charge of interpreting what the what the Soviets are doing. He's in charge of then what you do about that, completely. Yeah. And his general and, and how does and how does saying saying mein Führer, um, um, you know, it's interesting you say that, but actually, I think this is what this really shows is this. Oh, nonsense, Halder. Yeah. What do you know? Yeah. What do you know? 
numbskull. Just because you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. <laughs> well, and that's a again, that's a that's a huge part of Hitler's attitude to his yeah. generals, isn't it? Is that, yeah, that, I, that you know, you 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 bl- blokes with you who went to staff college? What do you know about? The essence yep. of combat and all that sort of stuff. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, the interesting thing is is, is that, that although Timoshenko, uh, um, Semyon Timoshenko, Marshal Timoshenko, he's he, he's he's the guy who's pulling back to the to yeah. the Don, but at the same time, our old friend Rokossovsky, <laughs> uh, General, he's still general, I think, at this point, yeah. uh, um, is also sent forward with four armies to do a kind of sort of blocking thing, yeah, to the kind of northwest, northwest of Veronia, yeah. It's very effective at that because it just holds up the Germans. And it means that when the Germans go forward, they are going forward further south than that. This is the key moment. So, so, so what, what's happened is Voronya has fallen. Timoshenko's front has, has, has moved back 60 miles. Rokossovsky yeah. has moved up with his sort of blocking force. And at this point, Hitler suddenly goes, mm, actually, I'm going to change things a little bit mm. because – what I really want you to do is, rather than wait until we got Stalingrad, what I'm going to do now is I'm actually going to split Army Group South into two. Yeah. So I'm going to put it into Army Group B and Army Group A. Those old chestnuts from the fall of France yeah. and everything. Yeah. He gives von Bock command of Army Group B, yeah. which includes the German 6th Army, the Italian 8th Army, the Hungarian Army, and two Romanian armies i think they're the third and the fourth of them I'm right yeah yeah but army group a which is to be commanded by list is all german yeah with the 17th army the first panzer army and the fourth panzer army and the plan is now for army group a to go to the caucasus take my yeah. take grozny get to baku and the army group b to go to the don so you've now got you've now split your force yeah to still go further than you had to go with yeah. Barbarossa. But Hitler's thinking is, that's all right, because Army Group B will hold the, the Soviets and, and, and free up. Yeah. So there won't be so much of a, there won't be such a strong defense in the Caucasus. Yeah. So Army Group A will have a cake ride. Well, and we'll use our, we'll use our good people because there, there's a solid implication that he's not, that by doing this, he doesn't rate his, uh, uh ally, allies, in this task, he's yep. not sending the Italian Eighth Army, the Hungarian armies, and the Third and Fourth Hungarian army, the Third and Fourth Romanian arm, armies, into the Caucasus. He's not interested in doing that. The last no. thing he wants uh, uh, is uh, the possibility of German prestige, you know, in the conquest of the Caucasus oil fields going to the Romanians. He doesn't want that for sort of baseline prestige reasons, but also politically, that would be extremely difficult to to swallow wouldn't it and his problem there though is that those armies aren't as good as the german armies aren't as well equipped aren't as well organized aren't as well led you know blah 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 and, and, and none of this is you know ge- the german attitudes to their allies is that they aren't any cop under equipped under trained because we haven't bothered to train them we haven't bothered to equip them yeah, exactly and well because they can't because again it's this overstretch is that they yeah. they can't coordinate properly with Italians, Hungarians and Romanians. They they can't train them, they can't equip them because the Germans, after all, can't equip themselves, aren't aren't able to do this. I suspect themselves. they could have done some training if they wanted to. Yeah, They'd really not, put their mind to you, it. Yeah, but but they've got no they've got no appetite for it either. No, they certainly haven't. Um uh, <laughs> so so you've this you've this 
thing where the, the, the shoulder... They're just cannon fodder to do mopping up operations. Well, well, there you are, you see, exactly. But if you're using your cannon fodder to do mopping up operations, actually to be your your defect, the shield to the sword of um, Army Group A, which is kind of the... That's the idea, isn't it, here? Mm. Your, if your shield's dodgy, you know... Yep. You, you could, the thing is, this is all... Obviously, it's all, this is all quite plain with hindsight, but, but given their own attitudes... Given Hitler's own attitude to his allies, it's it's curious that he would give them such an important job, but he's not going to give them the other important job, is he? So, no. I mean, the thing is, though, when did Blau, Blau starts on the 28th of June? And this is only the, it's only the 7th of July when he's fiddling with the plan. They're not even a fortnight into this thing. They have no, no idea how it's no, They're barely done. part more than a week. Exactly. They, 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 they've no it's like 10 idea. days. Exactly. 10 days they're has no, gone by. Exactly. They've no real idea how this is unfolding. Have they? A load of people. No, and, been- and the point is, of course, you know, th- this plan was submitted by Holder on the 25th of March and accepted by, by Hitler on something like the 5th of April or something like that. Yep. So they've been planning all that time. Yeah, yeah. Since, since the beginning of April, Holder and the, and the, and the OKH, the Oberkommando yep. de Hira, the, the Army's general staff has been, um, the Army staff has been planning for this operation until yep. then. They've, 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 they've seen off Timoshenko's counterattacks in May. Mm. Tick. Mm. Mm. They, they've taken Sevastopol. Tick. They're now kind of, or just about to anyway. Uh, uh, and, and they're, you know, they're now everything is ready. And within 10 days, Hitler has changed a plan. And then not only that, of course, you know, von Bock has said, well, I think that's absolutely bonkers. So he's sacked from Army yeah. Group B. He was yeah. Army Group South Commander. Then he's demoted yeah. to Army Group B Commander. Then on the 13th of July, he's, he's sacked and puts in, in his place General Oberst Maximilian von Weichs. Well, and aside, and, you know, and aside, he's all right, but he's, you know, he's nothing special. And aside for that, a load of people were fired after Reichel's documents were captured. So, so there's been a, the, so there's been there's a change. Been, yeah. There's been, I mean, not a, like a sort of purge really, um, uh, yeah. where, where the, the people who've been across the plan and who understand the plan have been tasked with implementing it are all removed from it, so, which, which of course makes it easier for Hitler to change it. Yes. But, um, uh, uh, the, the people who might argue with him are all, have all been, have all been, but but he, but he also does some other really really mad things, Hitler in July. <laughs> so 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 f- first of all, he he starts to get really really sweaty about a cross channel invasion from from Britain into France. Yeah, and, and actually, um, secret intelligence service, you know, the SIS stuff, the planting of all that, which they've been doing with in, in you know about this this seed that there's going to be a cross channel yeah. invasion in 1943, all that sort of um, uh, e- even though there's no material evidence for it whatsoever, really. Yeah. Uh, um, so he orders away at this moment on the 9th of July. He orders the SS Liebstandarte Adolf Hitler and SS Das Reich Division, which are two of his best equipped, yeah. most determined and, Gle- and gleaming, gleaming Nazi gleaming divisions. SS Panzer divisions, yeah. back to France and. and Around the same time, just a couple of weeks later, he also starts ordering the construction of the Atlantic Wall, which consumes vast resources, vast amounts of fuel, of course. Fuel that he desperately needs is one of the reasons why he's heading to the Soviet oil fields in the first yeah. place. Yeah, It's so mad. But to make it even more mad, he then decides that actually he's going to move his, his headquarters from Rastenburg, this is the, the Wolfschanzer, the Wolf's Lair, yeah. to Vinitsa um, on the 14th of July. And, and the new place is called Werwolf. Because Hitler's obsessed with wolves, because it all goes down back to kind of you know yeah. Wagner and forests and yeah. all that stuff, and Dolfo, yeah. Dolphy being wolfy, and yeah. um, not Citizen Smith, obviously, but but, but you know, 
<laughs> a reference that only people of a certain age will know. Power to the people, Jim. Power to the people, <laughs> exactly. But anyway, so 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 it's really mad because all it does, you know, he's he's still six hundred miles from the front. Yeah. So really, you know, he might as well be in Rastenberg. But all that does, it just makes it a, just a teeny bit easier for German generals to be called away from the front and come and visit him. Yeah, which is, after all, the last thing they need. <laughs> it's the last thing they need is yeah. to have kind of, you know, two hours worth of spittle and bad breath from Hitler yeah. Yeah. and be berated. But anyway, be that as it may, that is the situation. They managed to take um, uh, Army Group A, part of what was Army Group South, under uh, 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 under under list, manages to take um, Rostov on the mm. 25th of July. Yeah. Rostov on Don. Um, they get the hinge, that bridge, and then they're kind of the way into the Caucasus is kind of open. Yeah. But of course, the way the, the nature of the Caucasus, and it's interesting if you go onto kind of Google Earth and and look at Rostov, for example. Yeah, um, you, you can see the Caucasus, and you can see how it all pans out, uh, and it, you can see this huge mountain chain down the middle of it. And what that means, of course, is that your army group is then going to be split again. Yep, because if you look at the Caucasus, what you can see is you can see um, you can see the Crimea Peninsula, you can see the Sea of Azov, you can yep. see the Black Sea, and then you can see the Caspian Sea, and you can see this chain of mountains running in a kind of sort of southeasterly direction, which severs one part of it to the other. But one part of your your uh, your goal is the oil fields on the eastern side, and the others are on the western side. And unless you secure these mountain passes, yeah, you're going to have to split again. So what he does do is they, they, what they do is they set up these Jaeger battalions, yep. regiments to yep. go and secure these passes. But of course, you know, it's not it's not that straightforward. Mm. It's not something you can just sort of click your fingers at and make it all happen. So you've got that on top, you know. So so just the logistical challenges of operating in Caucasus are very very well enormous. How far from how far from, say, Berlin are we in miles? Thousands. Exactly. Or from, from the Ruhr, the industrial heartland, where your kit's being made, how far you are, are you from the Ruhr? You are thousands of miles. Well, let's, let's, let's look that up. Rostov because, to Dusseldorf. B- b- <laughs> <laughs> because... Um, I'll, 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 let's find I'll out. What, I mean, that's we'll, a, I'll tell you what. We'll take a break when we get back. We'll tell you how. Far we'll have you some Rostov. top mileage stats. <laughs> Rostov to Dusseldorf. We'll see you in a tick. Cheerio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, 
Was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. It was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy, too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics U.S. wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making. Hold on, I'm still looking. (laughs) Rostov to Dusseldorf. I've actually, I've gone Essen. I've gone Essen. All right. Well, Dusseldorf, I've got 2,804 kilometres. Yes. Flipping long way, isn't it? So every, every. So that's 1,300 miles, isn't it? On a good day. On a good day. Okay. And then let's do Bakau. Baku. Because, because this is what this is coming down to. When we talk about culmination, culmination points, if you're, and, and, um, if you're a new to the podcast. Like 4,000 kilometres. Yeah. So it's like 2,500 miles. 2,500 miles. A culmination point is a point at which an army basically can't really go any further because its logistic chain is requiring a far greater effort than its, than its sharp end, essentially. And you, yeah. you 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 grind to a halt, and it's like a it, it, the Klaus Witzian. It's like a piece of elastic, and the, there's a Klaus, Klaus Witzian idea of the strategic dynamic, which is the further the further you are from your logistic line, the harder it is from your logistic base, the harder it is to fight, and the closer you are, the, the easier it is for, for you to fight. And what the Germans have done here is they've stretched their piece of elastic to absolute maximum, yeah. while the Russians the Russians are sort of crouched on their haunches, relatively rather than grasping. For what they're trying to do, the Germans are grasping. The Russians are, are recoiled, and yeah. they, and logistically, this counts. This essentially counts for everything. Even as they're trying to grab this oil, they're at complete full stretch, which of course raises the question: What could you then do with that oil? I mean, this is a, this is a point I've been I've, I've made for some, for for some time. It's just utterly mad. To take the Caucasus, you'd essentially need the entire German military effort to make that effective, wouldn't you? Uh, one of the big problems is it's, it's also, you know, I mean, you, you've touched on this, but it's also about capacity. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, we've said, we've said it over and over, but the, but the glue that keeps the Wehrmacht together is rail power. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's the Reichsbahn. Yeah. Uh, and and Germany starts with a very um, starts a war with a very um, full and integrated railway network, which it then expands, absorbing the countries that it takes occupied, yeah. you know, get absorbed into the right. Those countries 
whether it be France, whether it be uh, um, the Balkans, whether it be, yep. you know, whatever. They all kind of come in as well. But but there's, you know, building a steam locomotive is not a straightforward procedure. No. It's not like building a Jeep or a truck. No. Or you even know, a tank. Or even a tank. It's a big old complicated beast and it requires a huge amount of coal. Soviet Union, of course, has these, and it's worth just reminding people about this. But the Soviet Union also has, obviously, steam power and, and, and railways, but a railway network, which is nothing like as, as sophisticated or advanced or extensive as, as, as the German one in equivalence. But they have bigger steam engines because they're going bigger distances. Yeah. And what you don't want to be doing is constantly stopping every two minutes. Yeah. Um, but obviously, bigger means more complicated, means more expensive, means bigger loading yeah. gauge, blah, 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 yeah. all the rest of it. So when the when the Russians get in there, of course the, German, the the Soviets, as they retreat, destroy everything. So the Germans aren't able to use Soviet railways and railway steam locomotives and wagons and all the rest of it. So they have to bring their own. So they have to change the loading gauge, change the tracks, which admittedly only means sort of moving one side of the girders, but yep. um, the rails. But 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 that's still no small undertaking when you're talking about thousands of miles. But they also have to build in extra coal stops and water stops because the Krieglok. Um, which is a sort of standard 50-mile-an-hour train that can go backwards and forwards at the same speed. Absolutely, you know, the classic black yeah. German yeah. workhorse requires more – is not as big, so it requires more coal. So the whole thing just start, starts to make your head hurt with the complications yeah. that you have just to deliver yeah. a train. Those automated rewatering and, you know, uh, things that you have on steam railways – are further apart on the on the Soviet system exactly than on the than on the German system. So as a result, and, and unless you unless you fill those gaps with more water stops and coal stops, your train's going to run out. But the problem is there is also a, a, a huge as you're getting bigger, your requirement is for more wagons and ever more trains because the further you the, the further the distance is, the longer it takes. The longer it takes, the less you, you know the less efficient your network is. Yeah, and the problem they have is they don't have enough oil wagons. And there is no other means of transporting oil for the Germans because the only pipelines in the world at this time are in the USA and they are in the Soviet Union. But the Soviet Union pipelines are going backwards. They're going east from the Caucasus to the Urals. Yeah. yeah. So they're not going west to Germany. Yeah. yeah. And you can't just build well, a pipeline. And that's American technology as well, isn't it? That's that's a product of uh, American industry and American technology. So the idea that the Germans are going to be able to hire a, uh, uh, some Texan to come and do them a pipeline, it's a thing they're yeah, going to have to... You've got, you got to push the, the stuff through the pipeline. Exactly. So someone's going to have to figure that out for themselves. You, you, you know, blah, blah, and and on and on. I mean, one, of course, one of the one of the things, the strategic dynamic, of course, is that you, spend, you, you start to spend more fuel on moving your fuel. Yes. Um, uh, and so you use more fuel, so you need more fuel, so you need to bring more fuel, yep. and the only way to bring more fuel is with more fuel. And yep. and and this is a war for fuel. So, um, uh, uh, yep. it, or this part of the war is a war for fuel. So, uh, absolutely. So, sort of, so again, I mean, we talked we talked of all the ironies at the start of this episode um, about Stalingrad itself. The the thing driving this campaign is the problem that has led to this campaign and is the problem that is stymieing this campaign. You know, again, bit on the nose. Um, so, <laughs> well, well, but, but, but what's really interesting is, is that, that, that Army Group A does make insanely fast progress into Caucasus. Yes. You know, it, yeah. it beats all records for speed across the Caucasus. I mean, no one's yeah. ever done it as fast and, 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 you know, it is absolutely breathtaking. And that, of course, is because there isn't much opposition in the big scheme of things. You know, yeah. the biggest opposition is the hurdles of, of distance and logistics and all the rest of it. There is yeah. opposition, but it's not... 
it's not coordinated in the same way. You know, yeah. it's not the, where the cream is. You know, that's all up further north around Leningrad, around Moscow, yeah. and of course, increasingly around Stalingrad as well. Yeah. So they do make this incredible progress, but of course, you know, von Kleist's um, first Panzer Army are within sight of Mykop, which is the most northerly of the key oil hubs. Yeah. Uh, by the 9th of August, but already as they kind of draw near, the flames of this oil well are already on fire are billowing up into the sky with, you know, gargantuan amounts of black smoke. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if the Germans ever needed a reminder of the complete pointlessness of what they're trying to do, there you are. I mean, e- even the useless British in Burma in 1940, May 1942, were able to set fire to the oil wells in Burma. So, you know, if, if they can do it, the Soviet Red Army certainly can do it. But this is also a mark of, you know, the Soviets are, able, are doing this because they have to, but also because they're able to, because they're now yeah. in, they're beginning to be properly integrated into Lend-Lease. Yep. And, and so therefore, can fo- know, are pretty confident they can fall back on the industrial backing they're getting, not only their own, in, you know, progress in terms of industrial production, but from the Americans too. Well, and, and so what's also happening is at the same time, you, you know, I told you that, we, you know, we were discussing about the fact that Army Group South had been split into Army Group A and Army Group B, and then it'd been split again because of the Caucasus Mountains running yeah. across it. So, so what happens, they send troops from Sebastopol, from the Crimean Peninsula, across the Kerch yeah. um, uh, um, Peninsula, which is that eastern bit of the kind of triangle of the Crimea. And we've all heard about the Kerch Bridge, of course, most recently. Sort of a tail, isn't it? Yeah, 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 exactly. So they they do a sort of – they send them over in boats um, on the eastern Crimea to the the Tayman Peninsula to join 17th Army on the drive to Novorossiysk, which is on the Black Sea coast. And, and, and that's that's a little stretch down the Black Sea coast, but it's right on the coast. It's another kind of oil town, and really, once they once they take um, Novorossiysk, there's there's no reason why they shouldn't go down the entire yeah. eastern edge of the Black Sea, which is hundreds and hundreds of miles yeah. and, and largely unopposed. But they managed to take um, Novorossiysk on the seventh of September, yeah, and then they don't really move again. Because they're stopped at a cement factory to the yep. east of Novorossiysk, and they just can't get forward. You know the supply lines are too long; they're too overextended. They've absolutely reached their culmination point, and by the time they've got enough to keep go to, to move on again, the good old Soviet weather winter has kicked in, yep. and all offensive operations in the Caucasus stop on the 9th of November. Yeah, they're three thousand kilometres from Essen. <laughs> They're a long, long way from home. Long, long way from home. I yep. mean, I think it's sort of remarkable that you know at this stage they're still keeping their pecker up, given how far, how far from home they are, and that any sensible officer will know we're a bit, we're a little overstretched here. We're well, way past our culmination point. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, completely. But, but you know, Hitler's saying you've got to get this oil. You've got to get this oil. Everyone yeah. knows the importance of the oil. But also, the muscle, you know, the, when those troops are, you know, von Kleist's first Panzer Army are kind of nearing Mykop and they see it all in flames, he must go, oh, yeah, of course that was going to happen. Yeah, of course that was You know, why don't we think of that before? You know, and you can just imagine that, you know, you, you, you're, you're full of. You're, you're full of beans and you're, you're chipper as hell because you've done this incredible drive. You've, yeah. you've, it's a logistical achievement to to rival the greatest of military logistical achievements, and 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 it's you've done really really well. And you're patting yourself on the back, and then suddenly it all comes crashing down because you suddenly realise the utter total futility of what it is you're trying to do, yeah, yeah. and you're a long way from home. And 
it's the Caucasus is this 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 saddle which can be cut off, severed, outflanked yeah. very very easily. And if you're not careful, you're going to get stuck there forever. Yeah. Yeah. And you would know that. Yeah. Um, so right. we now need to turn back to what's going on. Well, yes, around so Stalingrad now, with Army Group B. So Army the Group split B. Army Group South. Um, uh, and this this is where basically um and and army group b's job is to protect that advance into the caucus exactly that its job is not to get um stuck in stalingrad it's It's to take stalingrad very quickly it's to take it quickly so that you've got that river frontier and you've you've you're offering a shoulder to the russians to let the, the the drive to the caucasus occur so the russians have got to get past you to get to to the caucasus drive They've yep. got to get through you. And so the last thing you're going to do is overcommit to an urban obstacle like a city like Stalingrad, if you're thinking this one through, right? So what happens is Sixth Army, Paulus's, General Paulus's German Sixth Army, manages to reach the bend yep. um, on the 23rd of July. Now, the bend is the bend in the River Don. So yep. the River Don wiggles its way in a south easterly direction until it gets to the bend and the bend is about 40 miles almost due west of stalingrad yeah um and then it dog legs back at 90 degrees in a southwesterly direction yeah and hitler goes on the 23rd of july hitler says to paulus right um on you go go and take stalingrad immediately but it's just impossible because the Stalingrad front is blocking his way, and this is the 62nd, 61st, 64th armies, and specifically the 62nd and 64th Red Army armies, which are blocking the path and, and, and holding that bridgehead to the west of Stalingrad. Yep. And the bottom line is, is, is Sixth Army, after kind of, you know, a month of, of, of fighting and being on the march, is, you know, it's running out of steam and it, it needs yeah. to pause and, and let... Um, uh, let supplies come up, but it also needs um, 4th Panzer Army, which is still attached to Army Group A, to also yeah. catch up on its southern flank. So that's just not possible. At the same time, Stalin realises what's about to happen, realises there's going to be the mother of all ding-dongs around Stalingrad, yeah. and issues his famous directive, not a step back. Yeah. So he's very happy to let Vronia go and do strategic withdrawals, hmm. but not... At Stalingrad. And Stalingrad is completely different because of the Volga, because of this, yeah. this kilometre, you know, three-quarters of a mile in places wide river. You can't really get across it. Well, yeah. you can get across it and hold the other side. But but you, you just, if you do that, you are then completely exposing up the Caucasus. Yeah, that can't happen. I mean, the, the, if it, if you take a squint at a map, the, the Don and the Volga sort of bend in towards one another, don't they? Yes, so they, they do. Yeah. So... so so you could, and if you look at it, you can see that the Caucasus. Basically, if you control the the Don and the Volga, the Caucasus is yours. Um, you, you, you're free to then you're free to then move south of those two rivers, essentially, yep. aren't you? And, yep. and 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 this is this is why this is you know at a glance that is that's obvious what what you what's happening here. So you can see why Stalin, um, even Stalin who. Presented with a case blue one uh, plans goes no I don't believe a word of it he can smell this a mile off yes and also the but also that it offers an opportunity it's it's not just that it's not just that he has to that you've got to defend this but it's yep. an opportunity to to trap the Germans here because once they're over the Volga you know they could proceed in the same way to the coast couldn't they or yep. or, or 
or further or further east. Anyway, go on, Jim. So, so Paulus isn't ready to kind of relaunch his attack until the seventh of August, and then he does. No. And on the twenty third of August, you know, they 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 force their way forwards. They're 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 constantly in engaging with the Stalingrad front, the sixty second, sixty first, sixty fourth armies. Sixty sixty second army is is very badly mauled um, yeah. in the process. Chappie is now commanding the sixty fourth army. Is is um is is Vasily Chukov. Um, uh, and more of him in a minute. Sixth Army manages to reach the Volga, yeah. the River Volga, to the north of Stalingrad. Sorry, to the south of Stalingrad, beg your pardon. South of Stalingrad, yeah. a little kind of, a little wedge, just a little sort of triangular wedge to the Volga, to the south of Stalingrad um, on the 23rd of August. And this is actually carried out by the 16th Panzer Division, yeah. part of the 14th Panzer Corps. Um, and this is obviously all on my radar because all the Sixth Army units basically get reconstituted and sent to Italy. Right. So it is the 16th Panzer Division that is re- trying to repel the Americans and British at Salerno, for example. It okay. is 14th Panzer Corps that General Huber takes command of in um, in Sicily and von Sanger later on in but a but a, re- in a, a, re- a rebooted version of all totally of those totally rebooted one. Yeah. But all these, you know, they have they have you know these terrific histories. These units. Um, and on the same day, the 23rd of August, the Luftwaffe mounts its first major raid on Stalingrad, mounts 2,000 sorties. So a sortie is an individual um, right. aircraft's combat yeah. mission. Yeah. So that's literally every plane going around yeah. twice. The Soviet um, the Soviet reporters kind of report it a bit like the Germans do in Dresden, say sort of, you know, a billion people died. Uh, um, they report 40,000 dead, but it's probably... As Ian McGregor was saying the other day, it's probably not as, as many as yeah. that. But, but it's still uh, absolutely devastating. One of the big problems is that the city, because it's so hot, it's about 38, 40 degrees. You know, so it's absolutely scorchio. Yeah. Lots and lots of fires break out. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. very hard to put them out again. Um, Germans also hit fuel storage tanks to the north of the city and the, you know, the flames going 200 meters in the eye, billowing out you know, gargantuan amounts of angry black smoke. I mean, you can ju- you can just imagine it, can't you? What, what, what a- what's what's the Soviet policy to the uh, um, population? Because as we said, yeah, they want them out. They're they're very happy for them to get the, right. Okay, get, get out of here. Half a million people having to now get out of the city as best they can. Yeah. So it's, well, well, yes and no. So 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 useless mouths. Yes, you know, you don't want people who are the old children, you know, mothers or rest. There's no point in having them there. But anyone who can actually sort of fire a gun then or yeah. fire a and rifle if, or, or do if, something, then they stay. So the workers tend to stay. And if you've worked in a munitions factory. The weapons factory, which they they have there, you, you know how they work. Know, so you know the way around a rifle, maybe you know your way around a rifle. But more importantly, you know your way around the factory. And all those factory complexes are connected by tunnels. Well, and, so and, which which is a which is a sort of you know ready made oven ready defense system in itself. Yeah. And crucially, Stalin decides that what we're going, what they're going to do, is defend the city, not give it up, because. Up to this point, cities have been, well, I mean, not necessarily with his say-so, cities have been abandoned, haven't they? But Stalin yeah, so they've been right, surrounded, so there's not much fighting yeah. in cities. But he, he says, right, we're, going to use, we're not going to mine the city, we're not going to flatten it, we're not giving the place up. It's in, it, I mean, it, well, of course, there is no way of ever knowing and divining um, what, what's going on in, in his head. Yep. But at what, at what point do you think he's thinking, this place is named after me, my prestige? Where, where, because it, it's the right decision, given the, you know, given what then happens. At what point in his 
thinking? Is he thinking, where does the symbolism kick in? The personal symbolism, because it's personal symbolism. Oh, you know, I, think, it's, I, mean, think it's, I think it's when he, when he um, announces that it's a state of siege on the 25th yeah. of August. He does his no step back on the 23rd. He does his 25th. 25th is the um, state of siege. And I think that's yeah. the moment where he goes, right, no one's going back here. I mean, the, the civilians are all, you know, so there's no bridge across the Volga. So they're, they're dependent on ferries, but there's very efficient ferry systems that are sort of scuttling back and forth in little boats yeah. and smaller, bigger boats yeah. and all the rest of it. Um, um, but, but as it's days around the, you know, after the, after the Luftwaffe raid, on and after the Luftwaffe raid, apparently the bulks, the banks of the Volga are, are supposed to be slippery Slip with, with blood, blood. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, that civilian blood of people trying to escape, you know, and obviously, yeah. the, you know, they are getting hit by German artillery and stuff and, and, and dive bombers and stuff. It's very hard to hit a moving boat in a river. Yeah. Um, but of course that does happen. Um, and, and, Stalin is completely on it now. I mean, you know, he's absolutely tunnel vision focused on on, on what is going on. Yeah. He accepts that this is where the, ma- the main thrust is now. And he actually decides to, to, rather than having just the Stalingrad front, there's actually going to be two fronts. So there's going to be the southeastern front and the Stalingrad front. And the, and, the, and the dividing line is going to be the Tsaritsa River, which is just south of the central uh, number one station. Yeah. Um, in the kind of southern third of the city, yeah. and and there's this gorge. It's it's known as the Tsaritsa Gorge, which runs down into into the River Volga, and it runs yeah. at basically a kind of you know east you know, west to east into the into the River Volga. It's a it's a much smaller river, but the gorge itself is quite a pronounced feature. Quite yeah. a, um a, um and that below is going to be um is General Yeremenko, who has uh, been been suffering from wounds and in hospital and he's summoned from from hospital before he's quite ready and says right go and take over the Stalingrad front uh, the southeastern front uh what's the Gordov is the guy who's in charge of the of the, the Stalingrad front yeah i mean it's a trip it's a tributary isn't it off the yeah. off the off the main river, and there's all I, these key features that we haven't really talked yeah, about in uh, yeah. in Stalingrad as well. So there's there's the grain silos and the jam factory, and, and number two station, which is to the south of the town. So that's south of the Tsaritsa yeah. River, and that's very much in the in in Yeremenko's, um, uh, um area. There's the Mame of Kurgan, Mame Hill, also known as Hill 102, which is this sort of grassy hillock, um, yeah. which is to the north of the central part of the old Tsaritsa town. Yep. Um, but south of the industrial complex with the Red October and the and the barricades and and the tractor factory, um, and just then there's a central station, number one station, and and that is just a little bit inland from the banks of the Volga, and between that you've got the waterworks, the department store, the mill, and what eventually becomes known in in myth as Pavlov's yeah. house. Fans of Call of Duty may have uh, spent uh, long days in Pavlov's house. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, exactly. So, I, well, I, so, know, so, so for, for factory workers are all formed into kind of workers' militias. Yeah, and, and the houses, these terraced houses, what they do is in the attics, they knock down the wall, you know, walls between. Yeah, the mouse hole, mouse hole between uh, them. They mouse hole them. Yeah, yeah. Now here's the thing, Jim. We've been talking for an hour, yeah, and we've actually got to the to, to the Battle of Stalingrad. This is this is just like what's it all over again, isn't it? It is. It's exactly the same as El Alamein all over again. We've got to a point, haven't we? We've got to we've we've reached our culmination point with this podcast. <laughs> I think we might have done. I think we might have done. Um, okay. I'm only halfway well, through my notes for this episode. I know, that's, the, that's the point I'm making. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I, I, I think that the, the the stage is set for the the, the battle in the city, and I expect yep. that'll be our next one. And then there'll have to be. We'll just have to fit it in. We'll have to fit another one. We're just going to have to fit it into our schedules, aren't we? Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you've enjoyed uh, this canter through the the events to set the Titanic scene 
for the world's most on-the-nose ironic battle of all time, the Battle of Stalingrad. We will see you very, very shortly. Bye-bye. Cheerio.